0: Hello everybody, my name is Eric Mercier. I am co-owner of Juice Imports, and today we're gonna walk you through the March edition of the Juice Premium Wine Club. Uh, Today we have Jesse Willis with us, uh, and uh, he's gonna introduce himself and tell us all the things about him.
1: Hello. (laughs) Thanks, Eric. I'm Jesse Willis from Vine Arts Wine and Spirits. Uh, I'm one of the co-owners there, and also co-owner of Proof Cocktail Bar and Donna Mac Restaurant here in Calgary. And also Fifth and Vermouth, uh, a barware company where we offer e-commerce sort of uh, barware that we ship across Canada. So glassware, barware, all sorts of stuff. So that's me.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Jesse and I have known each other for a very long time. He was the first person to give me a job in the in the wine industry. I worked at Vine Arts, I guess starting like almost nine years ago
1: eight, yeah nine years, years this month then. we well viners has been nine years yeah, this yeah so you were so you wild. came pretty i was i was on in that.
0: september uh yeah so yeah so. just a couple months after opening anyway so yeah we, we've been hanging out together for a very long time and, and drinking wine and he helped us get our start as a as an importing agency so we kind of kind of owe it to him so it's great that he's finally on the podcast here uh yeah we've also been traveling together before you know ended up in in austria unfortunately we don't have any of the wines from the wineries we went to together but uh we'll still get to ramble a little bit about that i'm sure
1: oh yeah good times travel what a novel idea in the, in the <laughs> time of coronavirus yeah one day we will travel again one,
0: one day it will happen uh cool so i'm going to introduce the first wine here um the first producer that we're going to talk about we actually included two wines from the same producer to sort of do like a compare and contrast um Two wines made from different grapes, but from the exact same vintage, uh, made pretty much the same way from the same region. So it kind of gives you a, a better idea of uh, what's happening in the region for any particular vintage. Um, so this is Testalonga. This is run by our friend Craig Hawkins. Um, he's considered sort of one of the, the all-time sort of gangsters of uh, natural wine in the world, but specifically in South Africa um, and in Swartland. Uh, he made his first skin contact wine, uh, back in like 2008, uh, way before anybody was doing that sort of thing in South Africa. Um, and uh, it was the Skin Contact Chenin, which is the first wine that we actually have, uh, which is the Skin Chenin. We'll talk about the two wines sort of simultaneously. Uh, we're actually drinking the other wine, which is called Sweet Cheeks. Um, But yeah, we'll talk about them both together. He's in the Swartland, so this is just north of Cape Town. Uh, His actual winery is like super far north of Cape Town. You have to drive like three hours down dirt roads and, and all that sort of thing and to, to actually end up at where he is, super isolated beneath a mountain. He's not even like near a town. Uh, he has to drive like a couple hours to get groceries, apparently. Uh, so it's, it's all a big deal. If you ever go visit him, he gets pretty excited because he's, he's so isolated that nobody's willing to go out that direction. Um, but yeah, he's making some pretty delicious wines. Uh, you got to meet Craig uh, when he came to his first time ever in North America. He came to Calgary. Uh, so you got to meet him.
1: I did. Good yeah. dude. Yeah, he came to Vine Arts to our 17th Avenue location, and yeah, we hung out for a bit, tasted some wine. Uh, he's a good guy, and I've been a fan of his wines. Um, you know, I think they're some of my favorite in the, the juice portfolio in terms of consistency and, and, you know, being unique but still being true to place, and I think a great example of what makes South Africa, you know, one of the most exciting wine countries in the world right now. Totally.
0: Um, these two wines that we have are, are both pretty small production, but in particular, the Sweet Cheeks, I think they only made like 150 cases. Uh, and so we're really lucky that we got, I don't know, like six or seven six packs or something like that. Basically, just enough for the wine club, which is pretty exciting. Maybe one case to, to spare. Um, so, yeah, Sweet Cheeks is called Sweet Cheeks because these grapes are like so delicious that basically kids would go into the vineyards and like literally eat them uh, and they'd end up with like sticky cheeks. Uh, hence sweet cheeks, so it's it's a sort of an an ode um, to how delicious this grape variety is. It's made from muscat, which is called uh, like hanput, I think is how you pronounce that, maybe. My Afrikaans is pretty bad. Um, But yeah, it's the local name for, for muscat. Um, yeah, I don't know. You have this in the glass, but what, what, are you, what are you thinking? What are you, what do you tasting? What are you
1: feeling? Well, I think Sweet Cheeks was also one of Eric's high school nicknames. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a fitting wine. Maybe made in tribute to him.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, it just it smells, smells awesome. I mean, as you expect from Muscat, and I love aromatic skin contact wines or skin contact mm-hmm. wines made from aromatic grapes. Some of my favorites, like that Malouf you guys brought in recently. Mm. This wine's outstanding. Um, even the, some Sauvignon Blanc examples where totally. that aromatics just gets that's sort of you know ingrained in that grape just gets really not only released but but changed I think in a really unique way mm-hmm. it, it comes this hybrid where it's this fun and friendly part of Muscat but but with a little I don't know not a dark side that's not the way to put it but you know <laughs> some a little, some a little more serious which I like as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that I really like about his his skin-fermented wines, um, so th- this is made from a white grape but fermented on the skins for um, just a little over a week. Um, so you're extracting a little bit more flavor from the skins, a little more texture, um, some sort of bitter components, which are, again, a lot of people think bitter is a bad thing, but I think in this case it's, it's bitter in sort of like almost a tonic kind of way, in that refreshing kind of cleansing way. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that at all, but... Uh, either way yeah super aromatic like really sort of floral characteristics obviously some tropical fruits really nectarine kind of vibes
1: great structure though too totally I mean, almost from the nose you expect it to be just i don't know that others either have sweetness if you were to just blindly smell this it, it makes you think it's going to be sweet or maybe something that's like on a lower acid and fat but this has really great acid like great structure mm-hmm. um yeah without being grippy, which you know I think that that skins on the other side the other the other skin contact wine you definitely get more of that a little more austerity, but this wine is like friendly and playful but but still you know a serious a serious serious sip
0: totally and this is like a really clean version of natural wine and of orange wine simultaneously um you know very little sulfur this is all wild fermented just like everything else in the portfolio um it uh it's unfined, it's it's not really messed with in any way. It's just like wild fermented and then put into a barrel to hang out. Uh, yet it's super clean, really precise, really like not oxidative in any way. Um, Craig is really obsessed with making sure his wines last a really long time. Some of his wines are, are like the most age-worthy wines in the portfolio. Um, and he actually like takes bottles of wine and like leaves them in his window. Uh, so that they get like hit with like sunshine and and heat and cold and all those sort of things, uh, just to like see if the wine's stable. He'll go at, back to it after a week to see if it's still tasting good. And if it's still tasting good, then he's willing to bottle it. Uh, so it's, he really goes above and beyond to make these wines like super clean. Um, I think this would be approachable even for people who like aren't necessarily into natural wine.
1: Um, yeah, totally. It yeah. has that vibe uh, partly that is just like good. Uh, Old school style lemonade,
0: you mm. know
1: that refreshing quality. Obviously, that citrus, but then with that that kind of clementine uh, note to it, the juiciness.
0: Totally, the lemonade thing is,
1: yeah. <laughs> and it makes you nostalgic. It makes you want to go, you know, splash around in a in a pool or something. Totally, like a backyard pool. Yeah, like a big pool. <laughs> Harder yeah. to just dry, hold a wine glass in the big pool. Yeah, exactly.
0: In a wave pool? Drinking this in a wave pool? Sounds oh, all right.
1: Maybe in a wave pool, though. Yeah. Might be like good. I, I can get into it. You get one of those like foamer helmets, you know, with the two straws and yeah. go down a water slide drinking this?
0: Perfect. Sounds great. Sounds like a tropical paradise.
1: Totally is a tropical paradise.
0: Um, yeah. So this is a really interesting wine from a pairing, pairing perspective. Um, I'd be curious to know. Which direction you would go with this? What what do you think this would go with?
1: I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of spots around town lately that are doing like wicked like crudo dishes. Yeah. Um. You know where they sometimes incorporate things like grapefruit as an element along Mm -hmm. with just beautiful fish. Um. I think if you had that sort of mix of of citrus and and fish. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Just really good quality simple. You know uh fish that would that would be really beautiful um yeah that's that was kind of the first thing that came to mind man.
0: yeah i think in my write-up i was uh i said like um like a pock pock like som thai with like uh like the salty crab uh like salted crab kind of vibes oh yeah uh just feeling like you know some of those sort of uh sort of aromatic elements like whether it be like thai basil whether it be uh, you know, sort of, like, lemongrassy qualities. qualities. Um, I just feel like, you know, like, prawns, you know, ch- chilled chilled shellfish. Like, I feel like that's going to get along pretty well here.
1: Yeah. Um, Fish sauce, like a papaya, yeah. like a green papaya salad. Yeah, exactly. a bit of heat, too. Yeah. yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. I just want to go to pac Didn't pac close, though? Uh, I heard Andy went yeah. back to... Just left, packed up. Yeah. Which, I mean... <laughs> I was not sure blame it
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know, closed. that's yeah. what I heard. Yeah. Maybe yeah we'll have are. to
1: do a postscript on that and confirm yeah. that, so yeah. not just say crazy things.
0: Yeah, no, as far as I know, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, first they closed like one location, um, but then yeah, I think they closed the original location, which is like super sad. For those of you don't know, Pok Pok is like one of the most delicious restaurants of all time, uh, or I guess was one of the most delicious restaurants of all time in Portland. Uh, Thai restaurant, uh, Andy
1: Ricker, is that his name? Andy Ricker, yeah. 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 Can you fact check this on the side, Mark? I'm doing that right now. Perfect. Yeah, Ma- cool Mark stuff.
0: is also in the studio being uh, oh, his oh, usual oh, verbose it's. self.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's like the Paul Schaefer of the studio. He's on the, he'll play us the tune. And... Well,
0: I'm so far away from the microphones that I feel like I have to yell if I'm really going to. No, no, it picks you up just okay. fine. Does it? Okay. it? Yeah, it picks you up better than it picks me up. Okay. It doesn't like my voice, apparently.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Green papaya salad. Crudo. Crudo. it would be really good.
0: Yeah, anything lemongrass, I would definitely
1: agree with. Yeah. Yeah, digging it
0: for sure. Uh, and that's the other thing, too, like, that we were talking about before is like the ageability of his wines. And although this is sort of like an interesting style, I definitely think it has some years ahead of it. I think that with a little time, it would maybe put on a little fat, um, a little more weight to it. Uh, I think it's only like 10% alcohol or something like that, which is astonishing. You could drink like liters of this for sure. Um, if you get your hands on leaders, which is not the case anymore, because I think it all went into the wine club. Um, <laughs> the usual story. We do have the new vintage on its way. It'll be here in a couple months, although Or a, shi- year, depending or a year, depending on how bad shipping is shipping these days. But, um, yeah.
1: So you have closed restaurants. I'd also like to have this with, uh, you know, cilantro restaurant before it closed. Mm. Calgary Institution, 20 plus years. Many good nights, but on the way out the door at cilantro, they always had candy ginger, and you'd kind of have it on your way out and like proper, like hot, sort of spicy candy ginger, and I could eat some candy ginger with this. Ooh, that's and a, a good call, yeah. Yeah. They also, maybe this would would be good, and I'll, I'm just probably hungry, so I'm just coming up with things, but they, one of their famous pizzas at Slancho, which I'm sure someone will recreate, was the pear, pine nut, and gorgonzola pizza. Oh, yeah. It was just delicious. Oh, that's Blue a good Blue cheese, sweetness of pears. So, you know, if anyone's firing up the pizza stones this uh, this summer, this spring, pear, pine nut, gorgonzola, great combo, and candy ginger maybe for dessert. <laughs> You add it to the pizza. Or a candy ginger pizza. Yeah, taking it.
0: Um, yeah, so c- quickly talk about the other wine. Uh, we unfortunately don't have a bottle of it to taste. Um, but uh it's the skin. Uh so skin is made from Chenin Blanc. Uh it's the one with sort of the old uh movie poster uh label. It's um basically his like most sort of iconic wine. Uh, unfortunately the bottle that we opened is, uh, is, is very much corked. Uh, you know, once in a while you get, uh, a bad cork in a bottle of wine and it really messes with things. Um, but when it's tasting on it's, uh, it's probably his most legendary, um, wine. It's coming from super old vine, Chenin Blanc, which is sort of what South Africa is really known for, um, fermented on skins for, uh, you know, an extended period of time, not a crazy amount of time, usually around 10 days, um. And it's going to be way more umami than the Sweet Cheeks. The Sweet Cheeks is all about being playful, being fun, uh, versus the skin is way more serious, um, way more sort of like mushroomy, honeysuckle, definitely on sort of that end of the spectrum. Um, You know, still very bright and fresh. It's still only like 12% alcohol, um, but at the same time, more structured, more savory, um, and again, crazy uh, age-worthiness. Um, while I was there, I got to taste his second vintage ever, so 2009, um, and as well as a handful of other vintages. I think I tasted 2013. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other ones I have. Um, but we tasted a bunch of back vintages versions from him, and they're absolutely amazing. We have a couple bottles in our like uh, work cellar as well. We have a 2017, I believe. Uh, maybe something else in there too. But honestly, those wines are unbelievable, and we're super thrilled to get you to... Uh, include them in the wine club this month so um the next one we have is from brock cellars uh you visited brock cellars uh you've you've been there more than i have uh
1: so <laughs> we did maybe, go to visit yeah, brock maybe, Sellers. maybe
0: you can give us a brock cellars rundown
1: yeah brock cellars is is really cool i mean it's in berkeley california and this sort of funky industrial area that's being slowly turned into a just a a group of of wineries and tasting rooms and urban wineries um yeah so they they've got some cool neighbors like Docky and a goat uh is around the corner and lots going on there but yeah we had a great visit really unpretentious fun people um and yeah i love tasting through the wines there and of course being in california is not the worst thing yeah <laughs> whatever you're doing so.
0: <laughs> that was literally the trip that we had planned for like right when COVID started was California, uh,
1: Yeah, had, had flights and everything. And, uh, yeah, yeah, mine was, I had two Oregon and Washington separately. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to go to both. And yeah, those are the, the early, uh, COVID casualties and for, totally as far as trips go. So, yeah. um, but yeah, Brock yeah. is, is cool. I feel like, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful tasting room. Again, as you're driving up to where the winery is, you wouldn't expect to find the winery there, and I think you find the same thing in other parts of California, where you have these little little nooks and crannies because of their proximity to wine country. You know, they they get you know access to fruit and stuff is great, but also in areas where it's probably affordable to build a winery, and you know, it's not like Napa. You're not driving down a you know. A, driveway that goes on forever with palm trees on either side and <laughs> there's you know uh limos full of stagettes rolling by that, that yeah. doesn't really happen at at brock sellers i don't think no, as often
0: not not quite as much yeah, yeah definitely more back alley vibes
1: yeah cool people there. we missed i they do something i believe called Brockfest. yeah we just <laughs> we had just missed Brockfest, um so yeah they like to throw a good party too so. totally
0: yeah definitely yeah um so the wine that we're tasting today is their cabernet pfeffer Um, Cabernet Pfeffer, I think there was like uh, something like 20 tons of it harvested in California last year versus there was 700,000 tons of Cabernet Sauvignon harvested. So you can see the disparity there. Uh, Cabernet Pfeffer is super rare grape variety. Nobody really knows what it is. Um, It's probably a crossing of a couple different things, but it might also be uh, Grove Verdot, uh, so the equivalent of putzzi Verdot, but the big grape version of it. But nobody really knows. It's it's like a lost, forgotten grape variety. Um, it's planted in super small amounts in in California. So we're lucky enough to uh, to get our hands on you know one of a couple hundred bottles of this that they made. Um, they. Get this fruit from a vineyard called Enz Vineyard that has some of the oldest plantings in California, plantings dating back to like the late 1800s, which is really cool. Um, a lot of historic grape varieties planted here. Um, things like Muvedra, uh, sometimes called Mataro um, in this particular area at least. Zinfandel. Um, what else do they have? They got Grenache. I'm trying to think of what else they have. A um, bunch of different things. It's in the Kiln Valley, which is. Um, uh, south of San Francisco, if you're trying to look at landmarks there. Um, but yeah, this is a, a super fun wine. Basically, Cabernet Pfeffer tends to be like super tannic, really big, really bold, really over the top. And so they tried to tame it a little bit by doing carbonic maceration. Um, so fermenting this for at least a portion of the time under a layer of carbon dioxide, this helps extract fruity qualities, soften the tannins. Yet this wine is still like super wild and, and you know, definitely is not shy on tannins. Um
1: Totally, yeah. yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's uh, given the color and and you know just even the style of a lot of Brock's wines, which are so like elegant and uh, you know so fine. Um, this sort of surprised me. Yeah, the the tannic structures.
0: Totally, yeah. It's definitely like very reminiscent of something Northern Italian, mm. like Grinalino or like something kind of in that vein.
1: Yeah, I mean it's still it's still balanced and fresh. I mean it's not like a totally barrel sample of Barolo, but. <laughs> that by tannic but it's it's got more than you'd expect
0: totally yeah it's spicy
1: yeah it definitely has some of those sort of leaning towards green spice mm. tones to it totally
0: uh, it definitely lives up to its name yeah pepper pepper yeah pepper exactly yeah pe- pepper. <laughs> Cabernet pepper 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there you go Do- dr pepper Got the most minor Dr. Pepper notes.
1: Yeah. Um, it's got that cherry note. That's a Dr. Pepper note. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of cherry. Yeah. right
0: Yeah, cherry pepper. Definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, almost like bay really leafy lovely. kind of vibes. Like mm. some of those sort of notes. Yeah, and like lavender Hmm. Totally. Sort of tone to it. Yeah, I almost get like some of those kind of like smoky notes. Like uh, almost like a tarry kind of like. Kind of bass note to it that really kind of amps it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is this is like a trickier one for for pairings. I think in my um, in my write up, I said uh, chili, uh, you know, just some like mild uh, Tex-Mex style chili with uh, some like shredded <laughs> shredded cheddar cheese, shredded marble cheese on top. Oh wow! I think it was like my my vibe, but I don't know if uh,
1: chili. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's. I think you go a lot of ways with this. That's. It's. It's. Uh, again, that, that tannic structure could let it hold up to something. I guess chili being a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like or like a skirt steak, with just oh, yeah. like a fresh like salsa verde oh, yeah, on top. Definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking summer bar- barbecue vibes, or even just like a Sunday, after, like the best Sunday afternoon with a bunch of. You know charcuterie and cheese and just hanging out this wine I feel like would really sort of like flow with different different flavors so totally. I think that classic um, grazing board would work really well with this and, and sort of totally yeah it would be fun
0: I guess is like maybe a more sort of broad question working in retail um, what's the sort of like view of California wine right now um, you know, are, are people drinking lots of it? Is there a specific style that people are gravitating to?
1: Um, yeah, I, you know, California is uh, timeless, and I think you know, if just having been in the wine business in Alberta for about fifteen years, it's California's always been a hot number and uh, really versatile. But I think this is a great example of showing sort of the two sides of it, and you might have two you know, air quotes, California wine lovers who would be drinking wines that are totally different. Or, you know, those two California wine lovers could hate each other's California wines in a way, (laughs) or it wouldn't, yeah, maybe not hate them, but it wouldn't be their style. Um, so it's, it's fun to see, I mean, maybe some similarities to South Africa and that young winemakers, you know, uncovering these amazing, like forgotten vineyards, um, you know, these century-old vines that people had kind of forgotten about, either because they were in, you know, parts of the uh, parts of the country or parts of the state in that case, um, where people weren't really looking or weren't hot and sexy um, or just great varieties people had sort of not been looking out for. So that's really fun. And I think that new wave of California is, is really neat uh, to see. And it was even cool. We got to go and visit last January. That was, I think, guess my last trip out of, out of country was last January, um, January 2020, and we went to California um, with a, a good client who mostly loves the, the classic, big, in-your-face Napa Valley Cabernets. But we went to a winery called Kongsgaard, and that was really fun because, and I think a great example of sort of the duality of California right now, because you have, um, you know, a winery that makes really classic in Kongsgaard, you know, intense, um, lush sort of Chardonnays and classically-styled Cabernets. But then you have, you know, the manager of the winery who in the corner has, you know, a couple couple tanks of Graciano fermenting, and he's making like funky, uh, fun, natural wines um, in the same cellar where they're making the traditional wines, so. Yeah, that's I'm trying to remember where I kind of circled back to where I was going with that. that. With California, but yeah, it's it's so diverse the styles you get from there. I wish the dollar would come closer to parity, just in terms of uh, you know buying and price points. But there's there's some amazing finds and such a range of style that I think to try to pigeonhole California in one thing or to think of it as one thing or one type of wine, you know, just doesn't stand anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely, I agree. Even just looking within our own portfolio. There's a reason why we have like four different producers from California because, A, it's like a massive state with so many different soil types, so many different regions, uh, so many different climates, so many different, you know, styles that are available and, and lots of different grape varieties as well. Um, and they can really make anything from, from, you know, like you said, like bright, fresh Chardonnay to really big, bold Chardonnay to structured red wines to things like this that are like way more... Juicy, vibrant, you know, uh, less extraction. So it, it's crazy that you can make so much wine in California. Uh, I definitely agree that it's it's challenging with the American dollar. And we notice that sort of more and more right now where it's, you know, even if they're giving us like 70% off their cellar door price, those wines are still coming in as more expensive than that here um, because of shipping, because of tax, and because of the dollar. And it's like, it's super challenging finding wines that people can drink every day from California that aren't, you know, that they don't have to cut a ton of corners.
1: Yeah. That's just it. Wines that are kind of made, you know, true to the style that the juice would look for. And a lot of people look for that authenticity, but at a price point that's reasonable. Um, but I think Brock is a producer is great to show people like it's one of the first wineries I go to. Um, and to Craig Hawkins at Tesla Long as well. I think they're both great examples of wineries that are, you know, natural wines. Um, but, you know, again, as a retailer, it's always nice to give people, you know, a bit of a gateway. People that just want to dip their toe in or they've heard about it. Or maybe um, they have coming to the table with some preconception about natural wine or what it should be or has to be. It's really nice to pour them something that, you know, you can just segue in and say, yeah, like this is a natural wine. That's that's true. But it's also just a delicious wine like I, I think sometimes people get so dogmatic one way or the other um and we forget that good wine is good wine and, yeah uh yeah and it's it's nice to have something that's kind yeah, farmed properly and and with min- minimal additives and, and all of that at the same time so i like to and both i think very consistent i there's other wineries where you know the highs are so high and the lows are so low yeah um, and you know there's wines i love and wines that are just you wonder what they were thinking. Um, but with both Brock and Testalonga, I think they're two of the most consistent ones.
0: Yeah, they can kind of do no wrong. It's, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and at a range of price points, mm-hmm. you know, everything from their entry level, you know, gateway wines, quote unquote, to their higher end, you know, single vineyard, more unique wines, mm-hmm. they, they don't miss either of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's the nice thing too, is that they've been really consistent at trying to keep their prices in line as well compared to some other producers where it's just like, they just have to keep upping their prices. It's just like constant. So it's really nice that they've kept the price literally the same since we st- first started working with them. Tessalonga, again, it's crept up like 5%, like over the course of four yeah. years. So it's, it's hardly even worth noting, which is great. Um, yeah. Um, your store obviously has a lot uh, larger percentage of natural wine now um, than you did, you know, even a couple years ago. Um, has that been driven mostly by like consumers or based on like, you and your staff's own interest? Or um, I guess it's probably a combination of the two, so it's kind of a lead question. But either way,
1: discuss. <laughs> yeah. No, it's always, a, it's always a chicken and the egg thing. Uh, I mean, early on especially was this sort of thing where a lot of people um, didn't know about natural wine because there wasn't a lot of it in the market. But there wasn't a lot of it in the market because people didn't know about it. So they weren't asking for it, so importers weren't necessarily incentivized. Um, which is, I remember when early days, you know, Eric, Eric was like, "I'm gonna open a wine bar." And I was like, "Dude, you should become an importer. Like, there's so many. Every <laughs> week, you'd be sending me like Instagram, Instagram, you know, messages like, "Look at this. Check this out. Look at this wine. Check out this wine." And there's just so much potential. Um, and again, I think if you want to see You know, and and I'm not taking a a knock here, um, but if you want to see what's going to happen in Calgary in terms of, you know, where trends are going, you know, you can often look to places like San Francisco or London or New York, like, say, five years before. Mm -hmm. And it was clear in the rest of the world that natural wine was a big thing, and and people were looking for it, and and there was lots of amazing wines popping up, but it just hadn't quite hit here. So I think because of early adopters like, like Juice, we were given more access to it. And slowly and surely, you know, people would ask about it and be looking for it. And again, that chicken and egg thing, finally we had something to give them, to put in their hands, you know. Um, So, so yeah, I think, you know, Vine Arts were always about trying to be as open-minded as we can and, and, you know, not put our ego in the way and not be tied to any one thing. You know, it was the same thing with cocktail stuff and bitters. That's what we've been known for as well. And, we you know, we just saw the writing on the wall and we listened to our clients and when they're asking for something, we go go out and find it the best we can. Um, but it's fun. I mean, finance is kind of fun in that we don't. Yeah, we try not to come with any pretension, and we try not to, you know, pigeonhole ourselves. We try to always be open to to change, not just for the sake of change, but when it makes sense. And so it's been great to see just the interest in natural wine grow and the selection grow. And as selections grown, we've had more options to put on our shelves. Um, so, and we're able to, as selection grows and grows, we're able to sort of pick and choose what, yeah, what we think are the best examples or totally. what we're liking. So,
0: Yeah, before it was really challenging because you're like, well, I need a Chianti on this shelf and there's no natural Chianti on the shelf and therefore I'm gonna buy this Chianti. But now if you have like, you know, three options that are conventionally farmed, you know, one option that's maybe organic and then a couple options that are natural, then you can kind of like actually pick and choose versus before you're like, well, I need a Chianti for the shelf because consumers demand a Chianti. Versus now, if you put a natural Chianti on the shelf and they're like, hey, I need a Chianti. They're like, this one tastes like Chianti. It's from Chianti, it's just made naturally and it's the same price. It's easy enough for you to sort of direct them that direction, but that obviously just wasn't the case. Even, you know, I remember the yeah. first time we got anything like super funky in, I think was, uh, we got in uh Radicon and uh, you're like, apparently this is awesome. Like Brad was the one who t- suggested it and you're like, these guys are legendary. Like this is a really weird style. It's called orange wine. And I had never heard of any of this stuff. And you open a bottle and we tasted this. And I was like, I don't know, man, I think this is fucked. Like yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, shit. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then now lo and behold, like years later with a little sort of more open-minded, it, it ends up being one of my favorite wines. Um, but yeah, even at that point you were sort of like pushing, you know, sort of at least my palate to, to try new things and test stuff out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was early days. We were lucky because sneakily, there were some of those really classic wines available, mm-hmm. uh, like Alcopinti, like Radicon, um, Grobner. And if you weren't looking for them, you might not know they were there, but they were available in Alberta. Some of yeah. those were really classic. So, and it's nice to see the benefit of the Alberta Advantage in terms of wine in that we have we have a great representation of classics, you know, those like benchmark Natural wines, uh, and we have lots of really fun and and uh, interesting new wave wines, and and sort of everything in between. So, yeah, we we definitely are now spoiled for choice. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs>
0: Overwhelmingly, so I feel. It's oh like, yeah, it's wild. It's like when, and I feel like if a couple of years ago, like everybody was opening up an agency, now everybody really is opening up an agency like the
1: Oh, totally, yeah. Within
0: the last couple of weeks, I've heard of a bunch of people opening up agencies. So it's like, ah, Really, it's, yeah. yeah. So no, it's, it's, we're really getting more and more selection, it's crazy.
1: And as a retailer and small retailer, that's one of our biggest challenges. It's just, it, there's more wines than we have shelf space by like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what, what, how many times, you know? Like yeah. there's probably any given time I could look around Vine Arts and there's, ten times the selection we have is what I wish we could have yeah which will never happen but <laughs> space <laughs> yeah. wise but um, yeah. yeah it's we're spoiled for choice that's for that's for damn sure
0: yeah yeah uh, sweet well I guess one final thing before we, we take off is uh, is you know what what are you drinking right now what's what's exciting that you've tried in the last couple of weeks that you're super excited about it doesn't have to be from our portfolio it doesn't have to be natural it can just be uh, stuff that you're hyped about
1: oh you know I had a great uh, and now I, I'm going to go out and find some more examples. But you know, sometimes you there's a region or a classic thing that you you don't visit for a while in your wine drinking adventures, and you come b- back to one and you realize why it's amazing and you love it. And so I had a white from Alsace the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from well, um, they're a champagne house, La Rosary, but husband and wife, um, and the wife's family is originally from Alsace, and so. I tried this just wicked Pinot Blanc that, um, yeah, I really, really dug. Dug the texture and the body um, and the intensity of it. So that's, uh, yeah, that's been really good. Cool. Super fun. Just re re, again, it was just a great reminder of like, why the hell am I not drinking Alsace more often? Yeah. And then that's the beauty of wine, though. It always goes in waves, you know? Even tasting, I feel like I haven't just sat down and had a glass of a Brock wine in a while, and yeah. I feel like sometimes you, you, know, you know something, and you know it's delicious, and so you're always off exploring other things, but you need to remember to come back to things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's delicious, But I think and South Africa too, I, and not just because it's the theme here, but if you're asking me today, like, hey, you can have a plane ticket tomorrow, COVID's over, all of a sudden, and you can have a plane ticket tomorrow anywhere in the world to do a wine tour, where would you go, I'd, I'd go to South Africa. It's just yeah. so intriguing. Like, there's so many really unique wines, young winemakers. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I need to go there. I need to visit it. Totally. I, I need to check it out because uh, the value, too, for money is uh, relative, is outstanding yeah. in South Africa. So, yeah, yeah. that was not a single answer to your question. And no,
0: no, that's fine. That's perfect.
1: good. <laughs> but I'm excited. Yeah. I have a bottle in my fridge of the new uh, Maloof uh, Temperance Hill Oh. oh
0: man,
1: Pinot Gris. <laughs>
0: yeah, we included that in last month's premium wine club. Yeah, yeah and I, I
1: haven't like, tried it. And we had some extra bottles oh from the goodness. premium wine club. left at Vine So I'd say
0: the label is very accurate. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's full on. Uh, yeah, tr- tropical. Pina colada. Yeah, pina colada sure. beverage. Oh, it's yeah. so good.
1: Yeah, I'm. It's, I'm excited. That's going to be uh, in my future. It's in my fridge, so it's in my future in the yeah. next couple of days.
0: Nice. That's super fun.
1: Uh, Cool. Well, we'll cut it off there. Um, So the wines
0: that we had today, just to reiterate, uh, we had Testalonga's Sweet Cheeks, which is a skin-fermented muscat, uh, bright, fresh, tropical, nice texture to it as well. Uh, we had Testalonga's Skin Chenin Blanc. Again, the reason why we included two wines from the same producer, from the same vintage, is that you can see sort of a side-by-side comparison of the exact same wine-making techniques, um, but from two different grape varieties grown in the same region. Really great way of sort of understanding those grape varieties from a skin contact perspective. Uh, and then the last wine that we tasted was the Cabernet Pfeffer um, Sogi from uh, Brock Cellars in California. Um, you know, juicy, but still intense, uh, you know, good grippy tannins to it. So good food, wine, good vibes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's the extent of it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, definitely go in and see uh, Jesse and the whole team there. Honestly, their whole staff are all like, uh, like unbelievably amazing. Um, so go see them at vine arts. They have two locations, one on 17th Avenue and one on first street. Um, yeah, I'll New, new website,
1: it. too, I'll, I'll shout out. I mean, actually, we able to create a natural wine section. So if you're on our website and you click shop, you can actually, you know, filter and, and see our natural wine selection. Nice. And obviously a lot of killer juice imports wines represented there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we try to make it as easy as we could for people who are specifically looking for natural wine to sort of dive in and get, get that. Totally.
0: Um, plus, plus, Jesse's in our office now, so we can harass him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Je- Jesse day. hangs out in our in, has uh, has an office uh, a couple couple floors above us for paperwork purposes. So now we're uh, now we're gonna see him all the time. Yeah. Uh, also, definitely go check out Donamac, Mac, uh, their restaurant, uh, amazing wine list right now. This is like the best iteration of the wine list and like we were talking about before the staff seems super stoked about it um which is always good you know when the staff are excited about the wine list that uh that you know you're in for a treat uh and then obviously check out proof uh for before and after beverages uh you know wicked cocktail list uh yeah it's uh i I think i'm going there tonight uh anyways uh yeah thanks jesse thanks for uh thanks for having me Awesome, if anybody has any questions, feel free to send us an email at eric E-R-I-K, at juiceimports.com. Uh, we'll chat with you next month.